Jeffrey Lester, welcome back to this, the second of today's recordings of a podcast known only as Wade Watt. Why, thank you, Graham McMillan. It is surely a pleasure to be talking to you again about comics and comics-related news and reviews. Jeff, I'd like to take that one step further and say that for me it's not only a pleasure, it's an honor. An honor, Jeff, to be trading words, language with you about the language slash pictorial reference points known as comic books. Indeed, Graham. I have to agree and say how pleasant it is that we can be talking today, in this way, together, about the sequential form known as comics and comic-related news and games. (laughs) (laughs) And that's probably going to be about as close as we will ever get to doing a serious, successful cold open. Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. In our ultra-long finale for episode 18, Graham McMillan and I go all insider baseball-y and talk about who our dream picks would be for the editor-in-chief positions for both Marvel and DC. Not a single piece of indecision, rambling digression, or sideways observation has been cut in this week's extravaganza, which comes in at a little over an hour and 15 minutes. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Sorry, I was fine up until he started talking like uh, Stephen Hawking's machine. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had it's to a, cheat it a little it's bit a there. To be talking to you about comics and comic-related news. <laughs> Fitter, happier. <laughs> That's very well done, sir. Uh, yes. Okay. That it. That is actually kind of alarming. <clears throat> well, that I, was that was as be, as good a cold open as I think we're going to get. But I say that every time. So, I, you know, feel free to I'm, prove me I'm wrong. I'm so glad you went with the cold open for the, for the last one. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I thought that turned out really well. Well, of course, you were totally like, no, 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 and now. So yeah, that was actually a lot of fun to put together. And and also, it was great when I sat down to edit it. It really does just open with us laughing, and I'm like, well, it's pretty hard not to keep that, so. That's because yes. we just can't help laughing. Well, Recording this podcast, Jeff, it's a laugh riot. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Graham. I have to tell you, I didn't put any call-out questions on Twitter because I was too busy writing. But I did finish my post. So. Oh, good, good. Well, that, I think Hooray. that worked perfectly because in theory, we're, you know, we're already at the... We've already we're, been we're talking already, for... Yeah, we're also, we're already half an hour past when we said we're going to stop, so... Let's yeah. keep going! Indeed. Yes! But I figure what we'll do is we'll sort of handle that one Adam Nave question and then, yeah, maybe call it a day, as it were, uh, since yeah, I'm sure you also I, have I, things I, to do. Oh, I've, I now that I've finished with Techlines, I'm now going to start and spin off. So, yes! Oh, my God, man. You are I'm, an I'm, insane I'm gonna, working I'm going to be machine. working till like, 6 o'clock or something tonight. I know that. Good. But then, but then I get the next couple of days off, so there's that. Well, that's fantastic. I remember the, the good old days when that used to be like... Oh, yes, yes. I remember the good old days when that didn't really happen. <laughs> no, not, not even a little. So, um, <laughs> shall we shall we, shall we, we discuss uh, the uh, delightful question that, that Adam Nave put forward there? So, so, where did he put this forward? Because I didn't even see him putting this forward. Was no, it a Twitter yeah. question? This this actually was something that he sent me in an email where w- he and I were actually talking about... Uh, possible um, who would replace Joe Quesada at Marvel. Uh, he, had, he had an interesting uh, sort of random thought that he put forward, uh, which was kind of like, you know, essentially Bendis 
Um, he, he was like, yeah, Bendis isn't the best writer for a lot of Marvel things, but doesn't it feel like he's being groomed to take over for Casada? And that job I think he'd be perfect for. And, you know, just kind of sit there and get good ideas and let others execute them. And I thought that was kind of a great little idea, but of me being me, I disagreed with just about every bit of the particulars of it, you know, where I'm like... Well, the, the, the problem with it really is that Ben has said on numerous occasions that it's a job he really would not want. Mm, interesting. I, I, I sort of half figured that that was kind of the case, because my thing was, I sort of feel like Bendis... You know, he does a lot of these big crossover things, but he doesn't, he tends not to, he tends to write as much of it as possible, you know? He's yeah. not necessarily, he, he. I think he's too much of a fan to come up with the ideas and let, let other people play in the playground. I think he wants to be running around and jumping on the swings and the slides and everything. I don't think that they would, um, I don't think they'd let him do it from Oregon, and I can't really see him relocating to New York. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a, a genuine concern. I can't see him really moving. Uh, yeah. If only because he has a family and he has a life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the sense of like every other editor in chief does not have a life. But um, <laughs> Ben seems much more settled in where he is and mm-hmm. less likely to say, hey, honey, let's move you, me, and the kids to the other side of the country so I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of I kind of can't see that as well. But it did sort of start us talking uh, about who would who would replace um, Casada, and and actually one of the things that I thought that he said was sort of the, <laughs> it's like hey if you want to use this and wait what I wouldn't cry who would you and Graham <laughs> would love to see love to see in each respective chair not from a current guy suck POV but a, an imagine a world where kind of deal so. Well, I first of all, I think Brevoort would succeed Casada. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of what I told him was the guy who I think is sort of if there's anyone who's being quote unquote groomed. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really really surprised if he didn't. And also, I have the feeling that if he didn't, it might not be so great for Brevoort. Like, I I don't think he'd be very happy. If, you know, Casada's yeah. like, I'm quitting. Axel Alonso is taking over. Uh, <laughs> I I honestly could imagine Brevoort being like, what? I, really? I, what? <laughs> I've been here for how long? I'm complete. Like you know, I have become the. I mean, he is pretty much the public face of the company now because because that is withdrawn, shall we say, from right. that role. Um, and Bre- but Brevoort hasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. yesterday I was uh, reading Brevoort's form spring. Do you ever read his form spring page? I, I, you know, when he used to link to it on 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 Twitter stuff on Twitter occasionally, I would see it. I think I might have unfollowed him. I don't remember. Oh, I, well, I, I I have a strange feeling I might have unfollowed him as well. Um, <laughs> although, I, if I did, I, it's one of those like I must have just been in a bad mood because I have nothing against his Twitter. But right. his form spring spectacular because he'll be like completely reasonable, and then all of a sudden he'll just be a dick. Uh huh. <laughs> And it's 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 never when you expect him to be a dick. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden, like someone says something like, uh, "You know, the burden board was coming up with this as a theory of how to, you know, save the drag market." Like a completely non-inflammatory thing, despite the burn board. And he was just like, "Well, that's what you expect from the burn board. Someone who's, you know, based around a non-entity who used to be someone who's just." withdrawn from the industry he doesn't count i'm just like whoa <laughs> weird that? I mean, it was the point he didn't like that is, that's what he said in spirit but it's not the words of what he said before right. he placed i'm misquoting him um but he did then apologize later for saying it 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't see uh, a lot of apologies from him. He will occasionally go, I'm sorry if people are offended by the way I yeah, phrased. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the master of the passive-aggressive apology. Yeah. I'm sorry that you chose to be upset at what I said. <laughs> I'm pretty sorry much, that you're weak-willed. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much done that a couple of times recently, though. That it's pretty much like, you know, he'll say something, people will call him on him. Like, I'm sorry if that's what you choose to think about it. And it's like, what? Um, but no, I, I would be really surprised if he didn't get the job. Unless, you know, Casada's forced out and there's a complete regime change. I, I'd be really surprised if, if Brevo doesn't get the job. Yeah, um, yeah. Not that I think Casada's leaving anytime soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably should. <laughs> I don't mean I don't even mean that in a bitchy sense. I mean that in the sense of like he's been doing it for what almost ten years now. Yeah, uh, and I I think I think first of all there's a shelf life to having that sort of position, and secondly I think there should be for someone's own sanity. Uh, yeah, and I think that I think the latter is probably more <clears throat> it. I don't think I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because I feel like it's. I, I think, first of all, he's taken the company to where he and the company wanted to go. Yeah. And secondly, if he quit right now, he'd be giving up probably lots of money considering yeah. more position. I, I, I don't, I can't see him volunteering to leave anything. So. Well, that's it. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if like Disney, like through some sort of money to kind of keep him locked down for a couple of years <clears throat> at the very least. And just the sense of he was already being paid quite well. Um, I would think that with potential Disney stock options and, and what have you, there's kind of that idea of like, yeah, if I do another two to five years of this, you know, I can walk out of this and not, not even necessarily have to work again if I don't want to, you know, in that sense. So I, 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 I would I would actually be really interested if Casada just just leave, whether mm-hmm. he leaves Disney. Mm-hmm. I'd be really curious to see whether he went somewhere else in business. Interesting. Yeah, which you very well might. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. That would be... It, it's definitely... Uh, uh, pardon the, the Disney song reference, but it's it's kind of like a brand new world over at, uh, at Marvel these days, and I, I think it's worth it. Excuse that. me, if, if you're going to use a Disney song reference, get the title right. It's a whole new world. Oh, <laughs> Jesus God, Graham. Yeah, I realized. I'm like, wait, no, brand new day? Brand new? Yeah. It's a whole new world. Thank you. You're right. I have turned totally old. My God, I've been. <laughs> you I've, have. I but, have. Uh... No, seriously. I crossed some Rubicon in in my mid forties, where suddenly I'm like, you know, my parents used to be, where you can't get the name of anything right, even stuff that you knew or used to know. But it's like, yeah, let's sit down and watch that Space Trek show. You know, it's just really <laughs> like completely wrong. I can't. I can't get the Who names. Who doesn't of love Space down. Trek though? Come on. That's my favorite show on the television. So. Well, yeah, so Casada, I don't know, you know, it, it's kind of funny, I, I, yeah, so I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon, but I think uh, Adam was quite smart to, to sort of keep us on track by saying who we would, who, like, who in our, in, in, like, in our, our, our what-if issue, you know, but not where Captain America ends up dead at the end of it, where, what, who would we pick as... Hang, hang on, you're killing off Captain America at the end of your What If issue? Uh, every issue of What If used to end with Captain America dying, it seemed to me. Like, the, the number of issues no, where Captain America was no, dead... No, 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 no. They'd end with Phoenix alive. <laughs> Obviously, I read What If issues pre-issue 25. You read issues of What If post-25. Believe yeah, exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> 
early ones, it was always Captain America dying and inspiring somebody to do something <clears throat> in the in the course of it. So, uh, is who who would we like in like our dream? Not a, a team because it's only a person, but who's our dream EIC for both uh, Marvel and DC? Like, if we could pick someone, who would we pick? Who would we pick with qualifications? Because you know. Uh, for, well, for for DC, I'd pick Johns. Interesting. I think he'd want to do it. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and I think I think he'd be the right guy for it. To be honest with you, hmm. I, I I think he already has the mix of um, creator instinct and executive instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's pretty much already in the role of controlling where the DC universe is going anyway. So I don't right. think it'd be a massive shift. Yeah. Um, Marvel stumps me, though. Well, I'll tell you who I just thought of for DC that I think would be kind of a hilarious, like, <laughs> it's so crazy it just might w- work. Um, Tom Brevoort. I would pick Tom Brevoort. Now, I've, for some reason, I feel that you and I have had this conversation before. Have we? I, I, and I suggested Brevoort going to DC, and you pretty much gave me that it will never happen. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's right. Actually, that does sound familiar, particularly with me going, no, no, no. But I'm talking, but this is dream team stuff. This isn't like, this, this will never realistic. happen. Yeah, this um, is totally like Grant Morrison I, I, becomes EIC of DC. You it, know, if you'd thing. said that maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. I might have agreed. But mm-hmm. um, I, I can't see it now. Uh, I don't know, I just... There's something about that I think he has uh, completely hooked himself not only to Marvel as a company, but to, to Marvel's state of mind. No, Marvel is a state of mind. Oh, I and see. Marvel, Marvel is a state of storytelling, more mm. important. Mm. That I think if he all of a sudden was in charge of DC, DC would suddenly become really like Marvel. Well, but I have to think that A, that's kind of what DC in its heart of hearts wants. B, as you pointed out, and what really became obvious, I guess, again, back when I was following him on Twitter, was following the the conversations between uh, Mark Wade and him. It became really apparent what a big fan of DC Brevoort. Oh, Bre- Bre- yeah, Brevoort has, has talked often about his love for uh, DC, but he's also talked about how much he dislikes DC now. Yeah. So by I, which I I don't mean on a company basis, but I'm like he's talked about his he does not agree with the direction they're taking the comics, and he is not interested as a reader, and things like that. Like basically, he's I think he said enough that unless there's a complete regime change to DC, no one at DC would want to hire him anymore. Yeah, I I believe that's the case too. Like again, like as far as potential dream team picks, I do think that yeah, that's well, I, I yeah, I don't think that. I, I, I think, but I think he's, I think he's purposefully taken himself out of the running. Mm, interesting. Because um, I think he could have quite easily come up with more polite answers when people are like, "Hey, what are you reading at DC?" And he's not. I, yeah. I think he's sort of. It's not just that he's hitched his wagon with Marvel; it's that he's purposely made himself unavailable for the DC. Well, who knows? Maybe it got burned or something um, in some way that 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 makes him quick to. Because he is, I have it seems a not just you know really dismissive um, <clears throat> things you know about DC, but also about whether it's like their scheduling or 
you know, just kind of like weird things that I don't think that he is aware that it comes off a little bit like bullying. You know, he's like, oh, it's just good fun that we're having here. That's why. Oh, no, I, I, th- I think Brevor is an incredible bully. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope he realizes it because the alternative is kind of depressing. Well, I, I think that's a, isn't supposedly the idea that most bullies aren't aware that they're bullies. Like, aren't they generally yeah, I, think of I, themselves as victims and, you know, I the guess, but I, guy I, and... I guess when I'm saying, like, aware of it, I'm meaning in the sense of, I hope he knows he's being a dick. <laughs> no, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. you can choose to be a dick and be like, oh, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to, or you, and you can choose to be a dick and say, oh, it's funny, but not realizing that you're actually crossing a line when you're being funny. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and and I basically I hope he knows he's crossing the line in to get his yucks, because if he doesn't, then that really is kind of depressing. If he doesn't know that he's saying things to hurt, then you know that's there's a difference between saying something and being like anti-sinker and saying something, just thinking it's funny and that everyone will laugh. Yeah. No. No. I. I th- I think it's 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 kind of a thin line, of course, which is why you know people occasionally end up crossing over when they don't intend to. But but yeah, I do think that there is a line there, um, and I think that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, yeah, John's at DC. I I definitely would prefer him there than I hate to say it, but at Marvel, you know, I mean, just in oh the yeah, sense no, of, I, yeah, I agree. I think John's has a. a let's be polite and say classicism that yes. is more suited to DC than Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you know who I'd really like at DC? Mark Wade. Oh, uh, yeah. Boy, Mark Wade is EIC of DC. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I, I genuinely think that'd be great. I think Mark Wade gets a lot of shit for being old-fashioned and retro, and I don't think he is at all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's ridiculously forward-thinking at times. I think he is a great handle on what makes iconic characters work. Yeah. Uh, I think he has an incredible of the history of the company, and I think also he's been shat upon so many times by DC that right. the idea of him running DC just makes me happy. Like, that would be a, a cosmic joke that I, I would... I would smile at for the rest of my days. <laughs> um, I, 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 I wish... And I, I said this on... on Twitter um, when GMS left the Superman books, um, I wish that whoever needs to do it at DC could make peace with Mark Wade and they could get him back because they, that company really needs him. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen either, but if they really fucking need him. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that that is kind I, of as far as the Dream Team pick goes. Yes? And I think in a weird way, I think Wade needs DC. How so? I think I think all of the characters that interest him are DC characters. Hmm. I think he can make himself interested in other characters. That's not true. I think Spider-Man works mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. But I think I think he can make himself interested in different characters and different properties. And he can come up with interesting work on the other characters. Right. But I think his heart is with the DC characters. I think it's almost a little bit like the the your take on Jeff Johns and his you know classicist approach um, is I think that Wade does a great job on Spider Man 
because um, I think the the two, I, I think the personalities just are are kind of perfectly aligned. Um, but I know that, for example, Wade has a huge uh, emotional investment in Captain America that he's talked about. And I've never really been that knocked out by his stories, his Captain America stories. They've been okay, you know? And same thing, a lot of people loved his run with uh, Mike Waringo on um, Fantastic Four. And mm. I, thought that, I thought that was pretty hit or miss, to be fair. I thought that had some, like, decent ideas. It went some places where I don't think that... Uh, where I felt like he was really sort of trying to to change some of the traditional paradigms, and I don't know if he necessarily pulled it off. And I thought that there were some just some 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 choices that I didn't agree with. And at the end of the day, I was basically like, "Yeah, okay." Like, like you know, sixty to seventy percent of it was was really good, and ten percent of it was great, and twenty percent of it left me cold. But that's not really. Um, so for me, like, I, I can sort of see your point. I think he's got a very strong investment with DC. And again, he has a way of, I, I feel his approach lines up very well with DC's approach. And Marvel's approach is, it's a little different. You know, there's kind of a weird, I don't know, may, maybe it's changing over time. But I think the, the there's a <clears throat> a way in which the DC characters are treated with a certain reverence that they're not necessarily treated with in the Marvel universe. Um, and, and how people handle the difference between those two reactions, I think makes, makes a lot of difference between who they are, uh, between the, the, the universes maybe. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I, I feel that, and this I think is entirely my biases speaking. Mm Mm-hmm. I think my choices for a DC editor-in-chief are much more emotional than they would be for a Marvel editor-in-chief because I feel that the DC characters and the DC universe needs someone to protect it more mm-hmm. than Marvel does. I think Marvel actually has great gatekeepers. Um, Marvel takes very measured choices with its characters that they pretend are a big deal but really aren't. Mm-hmm. And DC, in response continues to just make stupid decisions regarding its characters. Well, I... No, but, no, but really, seriously. The Wonder Woman reboot and the Superman reboot make no sense. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, those are just... trying to get attention mm-hmm. without actually respecting the character. Right. And I think that when Marvel does something, like, even something like Daredevil and, and Shadowland and everything, Mm-hmm. It's respecting the concept and respecting the series more. And I think all of Marvel's things have a built-in get-out clause in case they have to get out quickly. Mm-hmm. In a way that DC doesn't. DC's like, ah, Superman's walking across the country. Take him in a year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. Or one woman's attire should have changed. Ah, she's 19. <laughs> okay. And like, that's... What? Yeah, those are, those are I mean? terrible like, ideas. It's just a, it's a, so, like someone, honestly, I feel like some editor somewhere should have said no. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Marvel, someone would have. And I don't think it needs to be the editor in chief. And I yeah. feel that at DC, DC is so desperate 
to get their attention. Well, yeah. That they don't have someone who's willing to say that would get lots of attention, but it's a really bad idea. Right. I don't think they're strong enough for that. And I feel like if you had an editor-in-chief at DC who would step in and be like, no, uh-uh. I know you've given this a lot of work, but that will break. You know, that's that's not going to work. I'm not sure, interestingly enough, if Jeff Johns is that guy, by the way. Um, just mean to don't mean to mix it up I, too I, much. Do, do, you, do you think? Because in almost every respect, with the exception of Flash's villains, mm-hmm. me, everything Johns does takes the character back to the beginning and then tries to build it up again. Yeah, but my personal feeling is that he has a, and I'm trying to think where this seems really apparent. It's something I feel I've I've talked about on here before. I I feel that he also feels that he can pretty much, he has almost too much confidence in his, he's like, I can break anything and I can just rebuild it. You know, I think, I don't think he, I don't think he necessarily believes that you can get a a character to such a bad spot point that you can't just refix it and reboot it you know yeah but i also think that i also think that given the choice he would never let superman walk across the country for a year and 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 that he would understand why it is a bad idea yeah i i i I would like to believe that that's true i mean lord knows it really seemed like a bad idea up front but i'm fascinated by the fact that straczynski was like oh no you guys it does sound that sounds like a bad idea but that's not my idea like i've got i've got more up my side i'm doing something very different here and and but he wasn't well he (laughs) i know which really makes me think either he's got something else that he was doing or he was really kind of blowing smoke up everyone's butt including perhaps his own so it's it's really kind of weird you know um I, I, I'm I'm always shocked uh, that that somebody's like no 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 you guys just have to wait and see like dude like isn't it obvious that if there's if there's one thing that comic book people don't do it's forget I mean you know guy who can't remember the name of the Disney song aside uh, you know people apart from Jeff uh, can't forget, you know? So it really does seem weird that you're like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing at all. And then like six months later, it's like, I'm leaving the books. Um, but believe me, I'm still going to be working closely with the people so that you get my original vision, which isn't what you guys think. So here's, here's something interesting. Yes. He said that, uh, DC's PR said, you know, every, uh, Chris Robertson and Phil Hester are going to be working off his notes. Dean trip on Twitter the other day and I are talking about this, talking about Superman, talking about JMS. Uh, Dean Tripp is friends with Chris Roberson. And people are complaining about the JMS setup. And he's like, guess who's not writing Superman for the next nine issues? And someone went, JMS? And he was like, yep. And I went, but I thought they were working from JMS's plots. And he said, no comment. Wow. So in other words, not. Which is very interesting. It's yeah. not, interesting for me, if nothing else, because no one picked up on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said it on Twitter, in public. No one picked up on it. Well, if you guys were talking, maybe there's not many people who follow both of you. I don't know. I mean... And as part of the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, there were other comic journalists 
Oh, really? So, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. And I don't know if, like, people just didn't pick up that last part or right. people were just polite and didn't want to get him in trouble. Yeah, maybe But he it. said, uh, he, he said, like, pretty much outright, Chris Roberts is not following GMS plots. Well, that uh, that might be uh, that might be a good. That might be a good thing, huh? Yeah, exactly. Because who was it? Who was it on Twitter who was basically summarizing the the last issue of of Superman? Oh, it was um, David Wolken. Oh yeah, it was Wolken, and I was like, "You're not just making stuff up now at this point, are you, David? Like, you know, the guy's a little bit of a prankster. Uh, some of those that the the story elements, I was like, no, shut up." Like, I know it just it sounds like the worst idea ever, doesn't it? I mean, no, but but okay, so we're getting completely off track again. Now, I want to get back to something. Marvel editor in chief, yes, your choice is who? I, I don't think I picked one because it's actually a really hard choice for me. I, yeah, because I can't think of a dream one for Marvel at all. Yeah, um, I mean, I can think of the logical one, I can't think of a dream one, I can't think of anyone I want to run Marvel Comics. Right. Well, let me think here. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah, like as a dream pick. Uh, well, you know, it, this, okay, and this is one of the things that's going to sound crazy is like historically because of, I would like to think even if I wasn't raised the way that I was raised, um, I would still, like, I still have a lot of admiration for Roy Thomas's run on as an editor-in-chief in Marvel, um, where he was the actual editor-in-chief. Because the number of guys that got their start as he continued to expand, um, the fact that they expanded into, you know, their superhero horror horror line under Thomas, you know, which really kind of seemed like kind of a crazy idea, sort of this half-hybrid bridge of, um, you know, like, oh, we're going to do superhero monster, you know, supernatural comics again, and try and push at the borders of the comics code now that it's relaxed a little bit, but we're also going to make sure that it's sort of identifiable as superhero comics. Like that idea, which sounds kind of terrible, actually bore some pretty good dividends and still kind of today, like more of those characters are in play than you would necessarily think. Yeah. But are more of those characters in play, not just because like the age group of the creators and there are the people who grew up in that. I, no, I, I, I don't think so, because I think you can make that case when you're talking about something like, say, you know, a man thing that, you know, people like me or Matt Maxwell or, I don't know, Jeff Parker all kind of want to you know, take a swing at. But Ghost Rider is like an incredibly resilient character that, that pretty much has continued to, to be incarnated, you know, every time, you know, at, at each epoch i guess of of marvel um that you know came out of this kind of like really kind of i don't want to say throwaway but like a very um um i don't know obvious sort of cynical place i guess you know in a way um so i mean you know thomas also had some pretty good instincts he was the guy who thought that that conan would make a go out of it i mean he also had mistakenly thought that the pulp stuff was going to work, which are mistakes no, but, that the industry is still making now. You know? I was going to say, yeah, you could actually understand that mistake. Yeah, I think so too. It is very common because people still continue to make it. I mean, I, I really feel like, like Conan's kind of the, might be the exception that proves the rule a little bit. Uh, but you have, um, 
you know, you just have a lot of strong work there. I know that a lot of other people seem to think that, you know, Shooter is kind of the, the, the ideal, you know, best editor in chief in the sense that he made the trains run on time and the stuff that, you know, Marvel really grew to tremendous heights of popularity. Well, well, yeah, that's just it. Like, Shooter, as a people person, holy crap, no. But yeah. the work that was produced, and I don't know if it's literally, like, good timing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, coincidence on his part. But um, that that is that is my Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Like, his period. Right. Because, and again, this is probably because I was, whatever, 10 when mm-hmm. all this was coming out. But I can't think of a bad book during that period at all. I can think of books that I didn't love as much. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of a, a, like a bad book in a way that there's all manner of Marvel books right now that I can't imagine reading. Right. Well, but again, that's kind of the yeah. How much of that is youth and nostalgia? Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, a lot of it also is is terrible, and I love it because it's what I read when I was young. My whole like, hey, look, I'm reading the thing, right? Or Dazzler, or you know, I mean, a a bunch of other stuff that is that is still. I mean, I think okay. I guess what I mean is when it was bad, it was bad in more entertaining ways. Things are bad now, right? Right. Whereas my thing is kind of like, I'm not sure if they were quite as entertaining as the things that were bad <laughs> before. So, which is my own kid, you know, thing kicking in. Um, you know, I'm trying to think like, you know, Shooter was followed by DeFalco. Um, and then, God, who was it after that? Was that when Harris kicked in or was that guess, still? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it must okay. have been. So, I mean, there's a long area I... where it tuned out. Yeah, I mean. I don't know Harris as a, an editor in chief for DC. I he's completely invisible so far. Well, so far, which is which is really, but it's really odd. Do you not think? Uh, well, I, I guess. I mean, who was it? Didn't someone suggest that maybe the whole JMS off Superman and Wonder Woman was part of Harris's like you know belief that the books should ship on time? Like I didn't I see didn't that as that, but, but if if that's true, that would be spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it uh, would be great, but I don't know if we'll get a confirmation. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it is, to be honest. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if it is true, then that'd be great. Um, I don't know. I just... Bob Harris was a really... Was an answer to Jim Marvel at a really weird time. And mm-hmm. I think it was really difficult to really get a handle on, on what was his decision and what was everyone else's. Right. I'm not sure what Bob Harris's legacy of Marvel really is. Mm-hmm. Because really he made lots about. of great decisions as an editor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think overall, he is a friend of the creator, for a better way of putting it, in a way that, you know, a shooter wasn't. Uh, sort of. I mean, I, I think that's mostly true. Or, or maybe he believed in creators or his favorite creators, I should say. I, I think I think the thing that I think, one of the things I sort of appreciated about, about Harris appears to be that um, if it's sold keep doing it and I, I, yes. I have to I have to appreciate that there was something that it, it you know who knows what it was like behind the scenes there's probably you know 11,000 professionals that would tell us differently um, but you know in front of the scenes it looked very much like there was kind of not much of an ego in place in terms of like okay if this is working then let's do like six more of these like just if this is great like keep doing it. I mean he really did like 
the image guys very much came out and about, you know, in part because they because of him, yeah, yeah, because he was like, okay, this is the, the if, if they're doing it, the, let them do it. The kids seem to like it, right? Exactly. Like keep these guys happy at least as much as he could. And then, of course, at the end, there came a point where they just couldn't uh, continue to give those guys uh, what they wanted, and they they left. But I don't, yeah. I don't really think that that's Harris. I think, as far as I can tell, that was very much the, you know, no corporation, per, you know, preserving its trademarks was going to very easily give up what those guys wanted. So yeah, I, I again, that's that's why I say I can't tell, like I can't separate Harris from the context of Harris. Mm-hmm. And right. you know, then, then when the company goes bankrupt and, and everything. Mm-hmm. There's so much that is out with his control that I really have no idea, <laughs> like, what he did. Right. Well, and, yeah, at least as far as the bankruptcy goes. I mean, we have – there are those books that are out about that where most of the finger-pointing is towards uh, – uh, I was I was going to say, I, uh, who Ellen Barkin's hus- ex-husband, you know, what's Oh, his Ron name? Perlman. Yeah, exactly. Which I was going to say, but having blown the Disney theme, I'm like, Jesus, I'm not going to say that the guy who started in Hellboy headed up Marvel. I'll sound like an idiot, you know, so. Yeah. I, I still wish that were true. <laughs> Wouldn't that be kind of great? That's who I should really pick is. as my, my ideal EIC. Uh, Ron Perlman from, you know, Hellboy and Beauty and the Beast. So Jack I don't know. Kirby, that's my ideal pick for <laughs> for, for, for a Marvel hey, IEIC. I yeah, think we I, have to I, keep I, them I, living. You know, it's <laughs> true. You said dream pick, Jeff. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I, I'd love, to, I'd love to pick someone completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I mean, I, I, just when I said Kirby, I was suddenly like, "What about Joe Casey?" Which might be, I mean, the stupidest idea in the world. Um, well, no, because no, I, no offense, Joe Casey, but I just right. like, has, has he ever shown any evidence of wanting to be that guy? Right. Right. But I mean, again, I, I think as long as they're living, you know, because like, for example, one of the ideas that, that Nave threw out was like Grant Morrison at DC, you know, would be kind of, it's like, he, he said, I think he said something like it, he would like, you know, kind of run the company to the ground in a year, but it'd be oh, God, a yeah, hell of yeah, a year. Less than a year. Yeah. You know, it, it, it would go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, no, I mean it's 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 a fun idea, but again, it's I don't think he'd be interested. Is what it comes down to. <laughs> like I just don't. I think if you're like Grant, do you want to be the editor chief of, of DC? He'd be like, yeah, and then he'd be like, what what do I have to do? And then you'd explain it, and he'd be like, no, no, I don't know. No, no, you're all right. That that, that that sounds kind of terrible to me. Yeah, I yeah. Let me think here. Uh, you know, there was somebody who I was kind of like, you know. I bet. Do you think? Do you think Dan Slott would want to be like EIC of Marvel? He wouldn't be my pick, but do you think that he would want to be? No. No. Do Do you think that it's not a case of like an actual creative type? Well, no. That's the problem. Like, I keep thinking about which creators would I like to see in charge, and then I'm like, I can't think of many creators who'd actually want to step into that role. Well, you know, boy, man, your fantasy life is. <laughs> Frustrating fan- in the extreme. I have all to say. I was going to say, my fantasy life is not really surrounded by chiefs of comic companies. That's all. <laughs> so you say, Graham. None of us <laughs> believe it. I do play fantasy editor in chief every weekend, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but oh God, I, I, I. The problem is ultimately, I don't care who runs Marvel. Right. 
Because I think Marvel more than DC, it really doesn't really matter that much. It kind of almost doesn't. I'm I'm sure somebody because I, I mean as much as people will be like you know Joe Quesada saved Marvel, sure, but then Marvel settles into exactly the same rhythms as it was doing in the nineties. Well, that's the thing that kind of sucks. Like honestly, if I had to pick my dream EIC pick for Marvel now, like it, it, part of me would really pick Joe Quesada from nineteen ninety nine. You know, because I really, although I was very cold to the idea of it, they're very, they they were very much about like, let's get the creators in, let's give them enough latitude to do the stuff that they want, and let's not, let's basically open up the universe. For me, sure, honestly. Here's here's where I blow your mind, Jeff. I don't think that was Cassetta. I think that was You think that was Bill James? Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, well, I think it was the two of them in tandem because I think I think Jameis wanted that, but I don't think he had either the connections or the actual editing skill to make it happen. I, I sure, think it but was I think his I think, he, I think he's the yeah, I think he's the one who made it happen. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one who managed to convince the powers that be that this is what needed to happen, and I think he's the one that ultimately cared less about continuity and fanboyism. And more about getting the stories right and letting the creators do what they want. And I think that's what everyone wants. There you mm-hmm. go, Bill Jameis. That's who I want. Ah, interesting. I would not want Bill Jameis because uh, he he is like Jim Shooter Redux in some ways. No, I think honestly... But, but in, other, in other ways, he really wasn't. Mm, I don't know. He, 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 he antagonized talent. He fancied himself a creator. He tended to stack the the deck in his own favor. Uh, he utterly disregarded any complaints from anyone outside of his immediate circle. I'd say it's pretty close to Jim Shooter in a lot of ways. Hey, if if I were playing fantasy and it doesn't matter whether they want to do it or not, mm-hmm. I've decided to I want to be Marvel uh, in chief. Okay, who? Darwin Cook. See, there we go. That's what we were waiting to hear. My God, Graham, was that so hard? A brilliant yes. choice. Yes, it really was. It kind of was. I'm like, huh, I never <laughs> could have come up with that. No, that's that's actually, that's kind of a great pick. Um, boy, interesting. Uh, that, that You know, that Darwin Cook would actually be kind of awesome. I don't, uh, yeah, in, in terms really of that was. weird he, auto-zombie he... type thing, you know, where it's like he clearly wouldn't want to do that, but for have us, yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. He'd, he'd be he'd be really good at it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Here's the thing, though. Again, he'd probably tank the company. He pro- right, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Tank the company uh, uh, aside. You know, it's kind of a shame. I, I part of me was like, I would love to see like, um, like Bob Shrek was a guy who like editorially his chops were kind of. I'm sort of sorry that things didn't quite pan right pan out DC for whatever reason but you know I I think that there's some amazing stuff that came out of it I mean I'd be very curious to know I, I think it's a relatively safe bet that All-Star Batman came out you know directly as a result of Shrek um, yes and it wouldn't surprise me in a way if DC pulled Shrek in hired him specifically with an eye toward being able to hook Miller to do a sequel to Dark Knight but I would be kind of curious to see because Shrek's very glowing introduction in the first hardcover to All Star Superman really makes me think like that was something that he was also heavily emotionally invested in, um, and and of course, really honestly, you don't get you, you kind of don't you know 
whoever was able to make that deal happen, that was actually pretty brilliant. Um, so I would be kind of curious to see... Uh, um, I'd like to see Shrek in some sort of larger role at the big two, whether that's mm-hmm. DC or Marvel or something, I, th- I think would be really interesting. Um, I, I'd be curious to see what um, Axel Alonso would do. I think he's he's done, to be honest, a kind of shitty job in the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be curious to see what happens when he basically comes off of hands-on books and gets more into a figurehead role. Well, he's moving into that position now, I, at least from, from talking with him at New York Comic Con. He's pretty much like, we've all been, like, Casada got bumped up a level, I got bumped up a level, and so he was very much like, yeah, I'm kind of a figurehead, I do less of the, the hands-on editing, talk, talk, talk to my editors, essentially, you know, about yeah. developing people, but also just generally about the direction of this stuff. So I, I feel like he has you know, things that he sort of shapes and directs. But I think he is more of a figurehead. Again, you know, Alonzo is one of those guys where looking at the books that he was doing, even up until relatively recently, I think the stuff that he was doing up in Marvel Knights, incredibly sound, you know. Um, The Max titles that were coming out under him, I think are all, were all really strong. And when they weren't strong, at least they were interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's why I think... um he'd be an interesting choice for an editor-in-chief. But at the same time, I think his his X-Men books have not worked. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I couldn't tell you why. Right. Yeah, And that's the sort of thing that makes me think, maybe not. But like before he got handed the X-Men books, Mm -hmm. even when he was doing the Spider-Man books, he made interesting choices. Mm -hmm. So I don't, yeah, no, he makes some interesting choices, and he's really... Um... I mean, he's, he's even made interesting choices on the X-Men book in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you what I was going to say. Bro- he's Bro- still Baker got it really... Mm-hmm. But it's... it's, But the end product doesn't work, and like, the the, the, uh, the X-Men book's going all the way back to crossovers every year, and uh, I don't know. But, well, okay, first off, I, I agree with you. I think he's got he's got a great eye for for yeah picking talent he has a real belief in developing talent and new talent that um you know despite my inability to to hop onto that train i think is incredibly encouraging uh i but i i'm kind of i mean the x-men really does make me wonder but i also feel that's also that's also marvel's gig for better or for worse these days like leading up to civil war there was a very big conscious company decision like okay now that we've done our four years without crossovers we're going to move Let's back do as into... many crossovers as possible yeah seriously seriously and i mean obviously it it's had diminishing returns but it's worked well for them um you know i mean it, it, it at least in terms to compared to dc it's done it's done very well for them but uh but yeah i don't i don't yeah, so I, I think in a way, part of my EIC dream pick would be like whatever it was that managed to get Marvel to break out of its rut back in '99. I do think yeah, that that's a combination that, of Jameson Casada. That was bankruptcy. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, that was we have nothing to lose, literally. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, there's I, I don't know. So it's interesting that you put Darwin Cook in at Marvel. Oh, here's it. I, 
I'll make Bruce Tim the EIC of Marvel, <laughs> and I'll make Darwin Cook the EIC of DC. So oh, let's... will you? Yeah, I I'll, will. I'll see your Darwin Cook. And I'll, I'll raise you a Bruce, Bruce Tim. Yeah, exactly. Now, why are you doing that? Why, why am I why, doing that? Why Bruce Tim at Marvel? Uh, Bruce Tim at Marvel had seemed... DC, What's that? I'm not a DC, I should say. Uh... Tim, because I think that Tim has always had a, is a huge Jack Kirby fan, and at least looking at the sketchbooks and things that, uh, sketches online and things that I've seen, it seems like he's maybe, he's more of a Marvel Kirby fan. Like, he loves, it's clear that he loves DC, Kirby's DC work, obviously, to the extent that he's continued to, to work it into stuff, but I think that it would be really interesting to see him at Marvel because I feel that the stuff that he did at DC Animation um, wasn't just... It's not like if you took Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it, I, I feel like Tim's love of Kirby comes from also kind of a real love for the modern. Mm-hmm. So I... I uh, the modern aspects of Kirby. And I think that he has an idea of like kind of how to help, you know, think things forward. So, you know, um, who knows? I mean, there, there's an idea in which he's, you know, people could say, well, but he's not really an idea man, or he's not really an editor, or, you know what I mean? But I think his general vibe, I think it would be really interesting to have Marvel end up being, taking a few lessons from DC animation uh, of of the of the 90s because um, clearly it seemed like DC sort of took some of their notes from there and I, I think generally to good effect mm-hmm. you know so um, I, I don't know so that yeah that would be kind of my pick I don't know maybe and in that case it, in, in that like if I was if I'm going to continue to sort of take just steal your ideas and like transmorgify them and make them look like pretend that they're my own in the Mark Wade at EIC pick, I I put Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne really? McDuffie as the EIC at, at DC. Like, as another guy who got shat on by DC, but also mm-hmm. as somebody who's got, like, real like a real love of the characters and, and I think, like, really good, significant chops, I think that would be kind of great to see. It's funny you just said that, and I was like, oh, no, McDuffie should be at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, my response was just... Oh, but no, McDuffie, like, should be the Marvel guy. <laughs> because, which is funny, because I agree with all your logic for putting him at DC, but I think he understands Marvel characters better. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I, that is, I, I think there's, I think there's a good case to be made for it. Um, yeah, I, w- I would be willing to see it. I, I think I'm going to go with the, the... Uh, ironic case of, you know, the ironic justice of him running DC. But I, I can certainly see where I think your pick of, of him, Marvel, makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, it's really hard for me not to go, Steve Englehart, you know. this as Oh, God, should... that'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it would. You know that, right? Of course I do. It'd be like making Chris Claremont EIC, except worse, you know. I was just thinking the... <laughs> oh, the... oh I, I don't know if it works, my friend. <laughs> Let's just go with it. It'd be just like me and Chris Claremont <laughs> But see, that's the thing. Like, as as you know, it's hard to think that some of these guys have actual shelf life. So you can't turn around and say, "Oh, like like even as much like that." I have a 
serious appreciation for Roy Thomas uh, and what he did at Marvel in the day. I would not want him running Marvel or DC now, for that matter. Um, well, I mean, would you want the, the Roy Thomas of then to be running Marvel now? Or are you just saying he's too old now? I, well, I mean, he... I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm saying that he's kind of too old now, and it's kind of, you know, it's like a little bit like, what was that company that, like, Bob Layton and... Uh... Oh, God, and, and Dick Giordano and David's mm-hmm. thingy, whose last name I can never pronounce. Yeah. Michelini? Michelini? Michelini, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, yeah that, that's true. They, they, that was a... But at the same time, what about Bob Layton and Jim Shooter of Valiant? Yeah, see, I I was never down with their stuff anyway. So by no, that but point, they were successful. Sure, sure, like, sure. Like it, it, it bored me to tears, but they were successful. Well, see, and so yeah, I mean, somebody can make it. But I guess if I wanted to have a very boring dream, yeah, I guess. But you know, yeah, no, I'm sure. No, someone but that's just like, are you? Are, is this about? I think this would be good for the company, or is this about the, these people would make awesome comics that I would enjoy as they go down in flames? I mean, well, really, what is what are we actually asking here? Well, what I think is great is we've allowed ourselves to kind of swing all over the place. I mean, I, I, what I like is the, you know, as we've loosened up a bit, you know, we're actually able to put people in and go, yeah, Don McGregor, Don McGregor would be great to run Marvel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's something that's kind of great to actually be able to say that out loud. It makes, yeah, it makes no sense right. <laughs> god see reginald hudlin uh yeah yeah no i mean it'd be great to to put numbers like that yeah Therese Ter- gibson you know, Therese gibson running no, dc you know what, what? i would see david brothers on marvel david i would i love david but he and i love different periods from marvel so part of me is like really i don't know if i hmm hmm I could, I could, I could, like, if you're like, which bloggers would you want to run the companies? I could do that easily. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hear, let's hear your picks then. Oh, I, I want Brothers to run, Mar- to be editor-in-chief of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he has much more Marvel love than anyone else with any common sense. And Douglas Wolk runs DC. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I think that I, I was like, hmm, I think I would want, Esther to run DC. Oh and... god, I see Esther would just do a really good job. Like there, there's no fun in that. Esther would just put out like great comics that I would enjoy. Douglas would come up with something that I would never ever ever think about. Uh-huh. Douglas would be the editor in chief. Uh Douglas would be an editor in chief in the same way that Grant Morrison is a writer. Mm. That makes sense. He come up with something you would not see and then right. when he does it it would make so much sense. Right. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I can see where I can see where that would be really fun and interesting. I also, but I think that you know, in the sense of like, yeah, I think Esther would make really good DC comics. You know? She would. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it would necessarily like change or revolutionize or, or streamline the 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 industry, but, uh, but yeah. Um, and I would pick myself to run Marvel in that case. So. <laughs> oh, I, I... Wait, we're allowed to pick ourselves? Yeah, sure. Why not? We're once you said bloggers, I'm like, I can throw my sure. You're not oh God, like I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm running DC then. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we figured this out. You would run DC and I would run Marvel. Exactly. There's we're our dream running. teams right there. Every, Perfect. Everything's good. The worst part is I'm willing to bet our listeners figured it out 20 minutes before we did. So they're going to pick themselves. I just right, know okay. it at some point. Why, why would you want to run Marvel? 
Uh, why would I want to run Marvel? Because what? The more I think about it, the more I wouldn't want to run DC. <laughs> okay. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to run DC? I don't think I. I think I would make a very stupid choices, and B. I don't think I care enough about the health of the company as opposed to my own interests. Right. And well, I think I'd make what would ultimately be very unsuccessful business decisions for all the right reasons, but very unsuccessful business decisions. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'd kill the company I love, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, the thing that I think is kind of interesting is is there's part of me that almost half feels like I'm, you know, kind of already killing Marvel, like even though I'm not editor-in-chief, because really, in a way... <laughs> Oh, what are you doing to kill Marvel? <laughs> well, for the most part, I'm not following their books. I mean, admittedly, they're successful enough in the marketplace. But I, one of the things that I'm really aware of when I pick up, say, like a, like a Jeff Parker book is like, wow, this is really like kind of this is finally the book that I, the books that I wanted to read, but I wanted to read them 10 years ago. I mean, one of the things that did drive me nuts from, like, 99 of 2003 to 2004 is because they were, like, throwing tons of books at new people. Um, and I guess because it was, bef- you know, pre-BitTorrent you know BitTorrent days, like, people would be like, yeah, I had this brilliant idea where, like, the Silver Surfer would fight the Hulk. And someone told me that actually happened once before in the book. So and I'm just like, oh, my God, what? You did what? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but now, you know, people are like, I see all sorts of really obscure characters that I love popping up in the pages of Marvel books, you know, and very specifically referenced and is like, oh, hey, like, here's a character like I always loved, like, I don't know, Paladin, and I'm going to make sure that he really gets enough time and play in this new, like, you know, Daughters of the Dragon miniseries. And part of say, me... You, you've been reading Hawkeye and Mockingbird then. Right, yeah, exactly. With, with the... Sixth issue, it's been cancelled, and yet he still takes half the issue to explain how all the Dominic fortunes fit together. <laughs> which, which, which I love. I love that. But he really does. <laughs> it's like, Jim McCann, God bless you. God yeah. bless you for being like, yeah, that's what I need to do with this book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, that. that's, that's, that's the priority. Um, and so, yeah, in a way, there is part of me where I'm like, yeah, it's too, too late for me, man. To just just go on without me, you know. So there is a way in which, like, I I sort of joke about, like, yeah, I'd love to be I see of Marvel, but in a way, I'm not I'm not necessarily sure. Part of me feels like, for the most part, they're making books that uh, I would have wanted to read, and in a way, I kind of I'm just kind of not as in it now. I don't know why. If that's just like some stage where it's like I got old, or maybe my inability to remember people's names on the streets or something like that but you know it's sort of also i think that that marvel has a very thin line of things that it it is doing very well um that i like like i'm i'm really enjoying jason aaron's wolverine a lot i don't think that it's i didn't wasn't so crazy about the first issue of the of the wolverine goes to hell but like the the last two issues have been kind of like enjoyably like kind of dark and violent and kind of um you know they kind of <clears> hit that sweet spot of like you know guys pulp I, adventure I, kind I, of I thing. I have a question for you about this because yes. I know you're reading it. Mm-hmm. It seems to me, and this I'm not reading the book. I it's only from solicits. 
Right. But for all the build-up it got, and for what the story could be, four issues seems astonishingly short for it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's rushed. The fact that he is completely out of hell by the fifth issue right. seems weird to me. Well, see, this is the great thing about not reading solicits. I didn't. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for ruining that. <laughs> that. That's okay. That is all right. It would have. That's that's kind of hilarious. I'm yeah. really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a problem. Uh, well, I think if that's the case, next issue is going to be rushed as hell in a little bit. Um, I mean, it's. One of the things that they have done with uh, the the three the first issue was a little weird. The second or third issue, I can see how they're kind of trying to wrap it up because it's very much this idea of Wolverine's in hell. He's basically being you know having people fighting through hordes and hordes of people, and then occasionally there's a break where a demon will proceed to torture him or torture somebody close to him and then you'll see the various B stories um, one of the things that's been kind of satisfying is who exactly pops up in hell is is very satisfying and for me honestly it could go on for another 12 issues and I'd be entirely happy I, I think they'd have to to twist things a little bit in order to make it work but not that much in a way but you know you mentioned four issues and I'm like Oh right! Like Jason Aaron does have a couple of things where th- the idea is is that you know that that Wolverine Logan in Hell is doing his best not to be broken, but everyone gets broken in Hell. That's pretty much the point, and they make a pretty good case for it. And so it kind of adds a little bit of these dramatic stakes. But there are little things around the side in terms of like people sneaking up to him, going like, "Hey, you have to hold out. The more that you hold out, the more." you know, essentially hell starts to boil over and spill into a full-out riot and blah, 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 blah. I can see where the, the ending is already being set in place. I It wouldn't surprise me if it ends up hitting a little quickly, but as much as I like Jason Aaron on his superhero stuff, on his superhero work, I do think that the ending is the, the area where he tends to get a little rushed, um, Sometimes more so in his Ghost Rider stuff, less so in some of the Wolverine stuff that I'd read from him since. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we'll see. It is kind of surprising. Also, the amount of the amount of hype that Marvel's built into it. I haven't read the solicits, but I do know, you know, just from just from practically opening a web page, I do know that they've tied in the other Wolverine family titles into this and they have done a bunch of other stuff. I think that's kind of a mistake. For the most part, it's kept out of this title, which is great. But I can see with everything, the amount of publicity that they're playing on it, the idea that it would be over in four months seems kind of lame. So, Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just was writing the... Um onomatopoeia for uh, issue 5.1 which is of course that like Marvel has their new jumping on point mm-hmm. and I was like wait he's because it's like you know it's Wolverine's birthday and all of his friends are having a party and that's that's not joking by the way that's really the plot <laughs> um, and it it really is like what mm-hmm. like I, I honestly just assumed he was going to be in hell or at least dead for a year yeah I sort of figured so too in fact that that was kind of surprising to me so Maybe it's a flashback. Uh, I, I, I can see them awesome. wrapping like, He thinks issue. he's alive and he's not. Yeah, and then at <laughs> like the they, end... They, they, they completely mess him up. No. 
yeah, I, I, I that that really is kind of a surprise to me. I was like, I had somewhere I was going with that. Now I don't know where. Um, I don't know. You know, I, maybe that's just what they have to do. I, I think it's kind of sad if they have to pump out that much publicity just to get people to pay attention. But it, honestly, I, I sort of have to think after reading Paul O'Brien's columns I was about the say, sales. Did you, read, did you read Paul O'Brien's about how they completely screwed the, the launch of Weapon X and how this is essentially yeah. just trying to get it back to the label it was? Right. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if what they decided to do was play up this Wolverine in Hell, Logan in Hell thing, and and make it sound like it's a huge, huge shift to get as many people on as possible, and then just figure like, oh, okay, and then once they're on, force of habit, and you know, us being awesome will make them stay. But it's not really. Yeah, I do feel that most the the majority of it is really as a corrective for screwing the pooch. Which is kind of like when I read that thing from Paul O'Brien, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't realize that they had they'd fucked things killed, up as bad they, they, as they did. They accidentally killed the franchise. Yeah, it's like, pretty I really great. Was like, wow, you really did. You really did fuck your franchise. Yeah, you look at the you look at those um those sales for Wolverine. What what was the title? Wolverine Origins or whatever Wolverine, it was. Uh, which which one? Because that Wolverine Origins, Wolverine, which became Dark Wolverine, and then Wolverine Weapon X, which is the old Jason Iron type. Oh, I guess it was Wolverine Weapon X. Right, sorry. So, yeah, when they spun him off into Wolverine Weapon X and none of the people followed and the sales... Which, just... Which is amazing. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that kind of like... that. I mean, they, they, they really must have just been shitting themselves with these other numbers. Yeah. Because, I mean, that it, it was... It takes a lot to actually surprise me if I look at like... <laughs> and I really was like, wow! Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I do think to me that's a kind yeah. of like, you know, when they always talk about those like uh, documentaries about like tornadoes or huge disasters and like there's always some little like weird natural event that's the warning sign that nobody pays attention to. Part of me does think like that's a pretty big warning sign that 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 uh, essentially the populace is getting a little burnt. You know that they are not going to just follow you blindly from from one number one to the next. And well, Marvel I, really I does do that. the The amount of renumbering that they do is kind of absurd over there. And it's also funny that you know you get things like Ultimate Spider Man 150, which isn't the 150th issue of the title. God. You know this, right? It's the 149th. Oh God, I, I think. I, you I, told and me the that. way they're they're getting around it is by claiming that the Ultimate Spider-Man Super Special, which was really the last issue of Ultimate Team Up, mm-hmm. is really an Ultimate Spider-Man issue. Wow, really? Yeah, but really, it's just like they someone screwed up the number in someone. Oh my god! That well, and who can keep track? I mean, it's hilarious to me to to go over. Well, to, to be like... fair, Mark, like Ultimate Spider-Man's easy because it's 133 issues of the last series and 16 issues of the new one. <laughs> Like, that's just that simple, man. Yeah. Uh, why did they screw that up? I, I, I honestly don't know how that happened. Well, and, did they not screw it up and they were just like, hell with it. We need this 150th issue to roll out, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, it might just be that they were like, screw it. We're having 150th issue. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there are ways in which they're thinking like, okay. Because I, I do wonder, this is the thing that's ironic, is I feel like Marvel is so eager to hit certain sales numbers um, and have always been so in, in a way ever since being you know publicly owned 
that it's kind of grotesque, some of the stuff that they do. And somehow, again, I, I sort of see what you're saying in the sense of Marvel being indestructible. Because honestly, it's kind of amazing they haven't run the company into the ground. I'm not sure I even mean indestructible as much as just it's a, it's a force of nature. Marvel, no matter who's in charge, is going to always do the same things. Right. Um, and those things are... I don't want to say fleecing the audience, but it's kind of fleecing the audience. Marvel will massively overextend. Mm-hmm. We'll try and... It's not enough for Marvel to be the number one in the market. Mm-hmm. Marvel has to be number one in the market and then go on to crush its opposition. <laughs> but it is. Do you know no, what I mean? I, like, no, no, I'm just laughing because it's are, totally they true. Are com- they're comfortably number one yeah. and they don't care. But but that's my theory of like it doesn't have anything to do about crushing the competition, although they might put it that way. When you're a company that is publicly owned, you always have to have greater and greater returns. Otherwise, the stock people complain. But they're not. Well, now they're owned by Disney, but they still have to have a bottom line that looks like, like more so than ever. You know what I mean? For at least for the first year or two. You know, they can't look like they're like a horrible, bad investment. Otherwise, Marvel, you know, D- Disney gets pissed and sacks everybody. You know, they've got it now more than ever. They've got to have an awesome year for these first two years to make it look like they know what they're doing so that Disney doesn't decide, you know what, we're just going to bring in all these uh, awesome Italian publishing dudes. We don't even know who they are, but we like them, you know. I, I think that I think now more than ever they have to. At some point, the pressure will probably ease off of them. But um, and, and don't get me wrong, I do think that Marvel also would love to crush everyone else before them, so that there's only one comic marketplace and it's Marvel. But I think yeah. that's really secondary uh, these days in their considerations. So I don't know. I just. <sighs> There's just something about the way the Marvel does business that I see as incredibly untrustworthy. And... Agreed. I totally agree. But I, you know, maybe I'm just enough of a pinko where I'm like, Graham, you are. like, yeah, I totally am. Where I'm like, Graham, like doing things for, you know, just to please the stockholders is incredibly awful too. You know, it's, that's, that's a horrible, horrible thing. No, but I guess I guess my thing is that I I think that I I think they're past the just placing the stockholder stage. Mm. I don't think so, but yeah, I can I can see where see where a good case is to be made that um, that you are correct. Um, but I don't know. I I just that's not the impression that I get. Because if they did, I think they would come up with new different ways to try and crush their enemies. You know, rather than just <laughs> flooding the market. Good old Marvel. <laughs> See that's it. I think I think Adam Nave was planning on this being like a delightful romp in which we're like, "Ooh, what about Keith Giffen?" He 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 he. And instead, you're like, "Oh, I wouldn't want to do that to my closest friend. Why would I want to pick anyone I respect to be an EIC?" <laughs> uh... Exactly, it's the Depresso cast. <laughs> exactly. Oh, then second choice, David Brothers. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> die, brothers, die. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I really seriously think the brothers would be a good pick. I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> no, I totally get it. And, you know, the guy is big on Marvel and he's a, you know, he's a huge fan and incredibly smart. Um, 
But once we're opening ourselves up to that situation, then I'd prefer that I run it, basically. Because, you know... (laughs) Because only I know how to do it. I'm not saying I necessarily know how to do it. I just, uh, you know, maybe after I run it into the ground, David can come in and save it. I'm perfectly fine with that. But if it was just David running it, I'd be like, well, where am I? Why aren't I running this damn thing? You know what I mean? Then I'd just be on the the, uh, side of my imaginary dream team, like, basically resenting David Brothers for running Marvel and not me. So this way, I get to run it. He can run it later if he wants. Now, you see, what's going to happen is David's going to run it, and he's going to hire you to write the Fantastic Four. Man, I'd be a terrible choice to write the Fantastic Four. Would you kill one of them off and then cancel the book? No. So I guess technically... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 